0: Africa Rise and Shine. Africa. Africa America na It's 7 o'clock Central African time. A very good morning to you and welcome to the third and final hour of Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa giving you news from an African perspective. We are broadcasting live from Johannesburg in South Africa. You can also find us online on www.channelafrica.co.za and on channel 802 on the DSTV RG okay, My name is Teddy Sibier and driving the show with me this morning is Anne Moussa and Tracy Bimbard. Your top stories on Africa rise and shine at this hour. Schools and universities in Cameroon reopened with hundreds of thousands of students going to class despite a continued rise in cases of COVID-19. An NGO based in one of the 10 countries in South Sudan's Western Equatoria region reports an increase in teenage pregnancies since schools were closed as part of the COVID-19 preventative protective rather measures. In economics, South Africa's automotive industry says that the safety of its workers is paramount as the return to work under level 3 of the lockdown. But first, the news was An Musa.
1: S.A.B.C. News, independent and impartial. From an African African perspective.
2: perspective. perspective.
3: Good morning, I'm Anne Musa. The army in Sudan has used barbed wire and concrete to block off roads leading to its headquarters in the capital Khartoum. The move is to prevent people from gathering there to commemorate a massacre that took place at the site last year. More than 100 people were killed as soldiers cleared up a protest camp, the BBC's Iron Skippers reports.
4: The soldiers moved in in the early morning of June the 3rd last year. Some of the violence was filmed on phones for all of the world to see. The pro-democracy protesters had been at the site opposite the army headquarters for weeks, demanding a quick transition to civilian rule after the ousting of President Omar al-Bashir in April last year. At times, soldiers had joined in at the protest camp, singing songs and dancing. So the early morning raid came as a complete surprise and the protesters were defenceless. A year on, the perpetrators have still not been identified and punished.
3: Activist Rhino De Beer has welcomed the High Court's declaration that the lockdown Level 4 and 3 regulations in South Africa are unconstitutional and invalid, saying he believes the government was trampling on the rights of ordinary people. The court has suspended the declaration for two weeks, meaning that Level 3 regulations remain in operation for now. The court has directed members of the National Coronavirus Command Council to review, amend and republish the regulations so that they are in line with the Bill of Rights. To beer and his organization called the Liberty Fighters Network had challenged the regulations in court.
4: Now, the court confirmed
5: that the government of South Africa totally disrespected the human rights of our people. Um, there's definitely a, um, uh, a difference between protecting lives. Lives and abusing lives, um, and 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 that is what we we were concerned about uh, the human rights abuses.
3: Health officials in Mozambique say there is growing discrimination against people suspected of being infected with the coronavirus. In the central city of Beira, there are reports that those infected have been threatened and this has resulted in less people visiting clinics to report flu-like symptoms. Health workers are trying to convince communities to seek medical help when needed. Mozambique has recorded over 250 cases of coronavirus and two deaths. Brazil has registered another record number of new coronavirus deaths. The figure now stands at more than 30,000. The Pan-American Health Organization says it's difficult to see how the virus will be contained unless there's more testing and heightened restrictive measures, the BBC's Katy Watson reports. Another jump in the death toll in a week that major cities in Brazil have started to open back up. In Rio de Janeiro,
6: swimmers and surfers took advantage of the sea for the first time in weeks. It's the initial phase of a gradual reopening. The country's biggest city, Sao Paulo, is also going through a similar process, but people are still being encouraged to stay home. It's a confusing message. It certainly feels like Brazil is trying to get back to normal before the crisis here has even reached the peak.
3: A senior U.S. Army vaccine researcher says it's reasonable to expect that some sort of coronavirus vaccine could be available to part of the U.S. population by the end of the year. Defense Secretary Mark Esper had vowed two weeks ago that the military and others would produce a vaccine at scale to treat the American people and partner countries by the year end. Colonel Wendy Simmons-Jackson, who is the director of the U.S. military infectious disease research, Research program has now backed this undertaking. The U.S. Army says it's learning about the coronavirus faster than any other virus it has ever studied. The spearhead of the South African bowling attack, Achizorabada, like the Proteas team, did not have the best of seasons before world sport came to a standstill due to the COVID-19. But the talented youngster has used his time off from the game due to the pandemic to rest and reflect on his performances the past year. Rabada finished the season as one of South Africa's leading wicket-takers. However, it was one of the fast bowler's least successful spells since his debut in 2015.
7: The past season was a disappointment. Um, I reflect and, and see that my stats were okay. I just felt really, really rusty and uh, just a bit out of place. But um, I realized that it was never supposed to be easy and um, yeah, taking it day by day and trying to uh, achieve.
3: And that's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time.
1: SABC News. Independent... And in from an African from a perspective.
2: perspective.
0: Schools and universities in Cameroon have reopened with hundreds of thousands of students going to class despite a continued rise in cases of COVID 19. Cameroon so far has 6,380 confirmed cases of the coronavirus with 273 deaths. But Officials say the increasing number of recoveries from the virus and health measures taken at schools make them confident that they can handle the pandemic. Moki Kinsega reports from Yaoundé.
8: Speaking on state media, Cameroon's Prime Minister Joseph John Goote said President Paul Biya ordered schools to reopen because more than half of COVID-19 patients in the country have recovered from the disease. He said this indicates the strategy put in place by the government to protect Cameroonians from the coronavirus is yielding positive results. The prime minister said a majority of the 2,300 active COVID-19 patients were responding to treatment and that enough measures have been taken to reduce the risk of contamination at school.
9: The ministers in charge of education reported as set by the President of the Republic. Their reports highlighted the health and educational measures already taken or planned to ensure the safe return of pupils and students to schools and university campuses. The cleaning and disinfection of the various establishments will be stepped up with the support of the specialized services of the Ministry of Public Health. In addition, Protective masks and hand sanitizers have been produced locally and made available to the administrations of the education sector. Other health kits have been distributed to schools thanks to a special donation from the head of state or within the framework of initiatives led by private partners, local elite, and especially the regional and local authorities whose action on the field is laudable.
8: Ngute said all schools will be disinfected at least three times a week and that schools that lack running water will be supplied daily by the government. Ngute said not more than 24 children will be admitted in classrooms and that only one will sit on a bench instead of four or five, as has been the practice. But 19-year-old Verma Soli says the government did not carry out its promises and she decided to return
10: home. I'm rather very discouraged and depressed. I thought that the government would fulfill their promises by providing us hand sanitizers and masks. But with my other classmates, we decided to come back home since we don't want to be contaminated with the virus. The government have not respected their promises of providing face masks and hand sanitizers, but when they will be available, we will go back to school.
8: Teachers and university lecturers complained that some classes and lecture halls were congested and there was lack of water and soap to wash hands in some establishments. Nalova Leonga, Minister of Secondary Education, says while the government attempts to protect children and teachers at school, parents should also make an effort to give their kids with what is needed to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Leonga says children have a right to be educated, in spite of the coronavirus threat.
11: Do we want to stay at home forever because there's a virus? No. So this is the time when we should support the leadership of Cameroon. We have made sure that everybody who is involved is going to be covered as far as masks are concerned, as far as the water in the schools are concerned.
8: Monday saw high school and primary school age children return to class. Leonga says the government will observe for three days whether students and teachers are following the COVID-19 prevention measures before allowing other students to start school on Thursday. The government acknowledged that many parents, especially in the towns of Yaoundé, Dwala and Bavusam, which have recorded the highest number of COVID-19 cases, did not send their children to school. The French embassy in Yaoundé asked its citizens not to send their children to school because, according to the embassy, Cameroon's capacity to handle COVID-19 cases is falling off as the number of cases continues to climb. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka in Yaoundé, Cameroon.
0: There was confusion in Zimbabwe on Tuesday as armed soldiers blocked most people from going to work or entering into cities without the president's pronouncement. Zimbabwe is now in an indefinite level 2 lockdown with shops and companies back in operation. But from Norway, soldiers stopped people from performing their duties. Meanwhile, human rights bodies said that the tight security, especially in the capital of Harare, was meant to lessen human traffic by the time lawyer Tabani Mpofu was appearing in court for criminal charges. Mpofu is Nelson Chamisa's lawyer and adviser during the 2018 election petition in the Constitutional Court, Simon Muchemwa reports from Harare. Zimbabweans woke up on Tuesday to a tighter lockdown
12: in soldiers who were manning roadblocks at all major roads turned most people back home without a pronouncement by the head of state. No clear explanation was given by the security services and this brought about some panic in the country. While certain sectors suspected this could have been another coup, this time against President Emerson Mnangagwa, others believed it was being done to limit human traffic in the cities. Human rights groups issued statements condemning the soldiers' behavior while suggesting that the arrest of popular lawyer Tabani Mpofu could have informed this move. Advocate Mpofu became popular in 2018 when he challenged President Emerson Mnangagwa's election victory on behalf of Nelson Chamisa, leader of the Movement for Democratic Change, MDC. Zimbabwe is known for using excessive force when dealing with protests and the move by the security services on Tuesday was one of such heavy-handedness. However, Police Assistant Commissioner and Spokesperson Ponyati denied the allegations.
4: It's really unfortunate that we have uh, people want to mix issues. Uh, But uh, what we are saying is what is obtaining on the ground. This is what is precisely obtaining... On the ground. And I'm always being surprised when uh, uh, police and other civil services uh, are not uh, strict, people they complain. They say people are roaming around in the CDD and the police and civil services are doing nothing. Then, when we act otherwise, they complain again. But at the end of the day, all of this is being done for their health and safety.
12: Nyati added that the police and soldiers were flushing out non-essential services despite despite the fact that a fortnight ago, President Mnangagwa relaxed the lockdown to allow most businesses to operate. In the absence of the president's decree, Zimbabweans are now confused. Analysts have bemoaned.
4: So basically, the secret services were just screening people to ensure that only those who are going for work Only those who have got lawful activities are allowed to go into the CBDs. Remember, it's not all activities which should be conducted in the CBD. Other activities can be conducted outside the CBD where people are residing. They can access shops. They can even access banks. So there is no need for people to flood the CBD when the very same services they are coming for can be accessed outside so basically that is what the security services were doing
12: meanwhile Beatrice Mtetwa lawyer representing Tabanipof, has last government for the manner Chamisa's attorney is being treated the young lawyer had his house raided by armed police Sunday night forcing him to present himself to the police on Monday despite all that he was detained and will be appearing in the magistrate court on Wednesday morning it is alleged Tavani presented fake documents in a matter yet to be determined challenging president's appointment of the prosecutor general. Beatrice had this to say.
13: It is a cardinal principle in the, the practice of law that you should not identify lawyers with the cause of their clients. It is also part of the UN guidelines on the roles of lawyers that what you say in court, whether it's oral or written, you should have immunity from criminal opinion sanction because it is understood that you are there to represent your client. Lawyers sometimes do get it wrong. Are we all going to be penalized if we cite a wrong section and it will say that we're trying to defeat the cause of justice by misleading the the, 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 the court. If that is to be the interpretation of the law by the state of Zimbabwe, then certainly lawyers will be unable to represent people. And for me, the most egregious thing about this is that two crucial institutions are involved. A supposedly independent prosecution department. That prosecution department is the one that's prosecuting Tabani for. Challenging the appointment
12: of the Prosecutor General. In Inarare, Zimbabwe Channel Africa. This is Simon Mchemwa.
0: Bringing your latest updates on the novel coronavirus, I am Silvanus Kalemera, Channel Africa, in Kigali, in Rwanda, for the advice given by a healthcare provider, your national and local public health authority, or your employer, on how to protect yourself and others from COVID-19.
9: The globe. Every second there's always a breaking story.
8: We call upon church leaders to really cooperate with government. It is the church which can help us to stop this crisis. The church should not contribute to this crisis negatively. We are calling upon our church leaders to listen to our premiers, our mayors, and the president. Let's work together to reduce the spread. Of this uh, virus, South Africa. It is possible we are here because unity of purpose is necessary.
0: Channel Africa.
8: For your latest on the novel coronavirus disease, for Channel Africa, i Moki Kinsaka in Yaounde, Cameroon. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Hands touch many surfaces and can pick up viruses.
0: Eighteen minutes after seven Central African time. If you just joined us, a very good morning to you and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. My name is Teddy Sibia and this is Channel Africa, the African Perspective. A non-governmental organization based in Maribi maridi rather country one of the 10 countries in south sudan's western equatoria region west of the capital juba has reported an increase in teenage pregnancies since schools were closed as part of the covid 19 preventative measures our correspondent james shimanula takes up the
1: story South Sudan non-governmental organization known as Nutritional Protection has recorded more than 50 pregnancies over the past eight weeks in Maridi, one of the region's 10 counties. The organization's executive director, Josephine Egbandama, says the pregnancies have been confirmed by school authorities and hospitals where the schoolgirls were tested. Egbandama says the organization has embarked on an awareness drive to educate schoolgirls on the dangers of early pregnancies. Already Egbandama says she has recorded names of more than 50 schoolgirls that are pregnant. We
10: have a record. First of all, we conducted some people from the hospital. And these are the ones that are already known. And the ones who are not known, they are also there. We said no, we cannot wait. Let's try to talk to these girls because if we wait, and if the days go or the months go, still schools don't reopen, then our girls are likely not to go in the number that we wanted them to go back to school as COVID-19 maybe gets over in the country.
1: And this is how Egbandama described the pregnancies.
10: It's an alarming thing, and this is the reason as to why we were moved. We were moved to go and uh, I will create them awareness to go and talk to them so this is how we are doing it right now creating awareness to them talking to them advising them on how they are to handle themselves well during this time that they are at home so that they are able to go back to school
1: shedding light on the attitude of the school girls as covid19 remains an invisible enemy like said.
10: There are some of them who are already losing hope that might be this thing will take long that they might not go back to school soon. So some of them are already losing hope. And uh, others even go further saying that if it delays, if, I mean, if, uh, if it takes long, I mean, the presence of COVID-19 in the country takes long, they are going to marry. So these are information that we got, and these are the things that we see are the ones making these girls begin getting pregnant because they have lost hope they are like losing hope because they are at home they don't know the future they don't know when COVID 19 is ending so that's why we said no let's come in immediately to try to help these girls
1: egg blames parents for not giving parental caution to their daughters on the risk of getting pregnant
10: parents forget their responsibility surely to control these girls so this might go so Another reason as to why these girls are getting pregnant.
1: According to Ed Bandama, the pregnant girls were preparing to sit their final examination before the end of this year.
10: There are those in upper classes and candidates also. What we are seeing that can work, that can help these girls at least get uh, maybe prevented from getting pregnant is that uh, there is that bill that has been passed and we would like to see that surely. If the law enforcement agencies should be able to implement whatever they have passed so that these girls control all the men are able to fear impregnating these girls because if the bill is already being implemented, then there's a hope that the men who impregnated them will fear.
1: The fear that Josephine Egbandama of the non-governmental organization known as Nutritional Protection is referring to is derived from the fact that once South Sudan Parliament passes laws to punish men who make girls pregnant, cases of pregnancies will either reduce or diminish. Meanwhile, as of today, Tuesday, South Sudan has recorded 994 cases of COVID-19 with 10 deaths. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula.
0: The software company Microsoft has partnered with Broadreach, a social impact group of businesses to create and implement data driven solutions to improve the management and delivery of health programs in underserved regions around the world. In South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province, the partnership has helped an estimated 340,000 people uh, access HIV treatment. During the COVID-19 crisis, Broadreach moved quickly to repurpose its existing platforms to help government and key leaders to respond to the pandemic. For more on this issue, here's Amrod Abdella, Regional Director of Microsoft for Africa.
14: Microsoft, through its for Africa initiative, has formed strategic partnerships with healthcare providers throughout Africa and beyond providing them with technical support and business consultancy to help them achieve their goals. Each of these healthcare providers has had a significant impact in the sphere of influence. But with the onset of COVID-19 pandemic, we've actually seen how our partners have used their existing platforms and programs to pivot and adapt existing technologies to rapidly provide the much-needed response to address the challenges of the pandemic. This includes initiatives in data and analytics used for tracking pandemic, telemedicine, and also contactless access to healthcare facilities.
6: Now in this current crisis of a COVID-19 pandemic, one of the biggest concerns is ensuring continuity of services for already existing health challenges and HIV is one of them. So tell us more about the work of Microsoft for Africa in partnership with Broadreach in responding to the HIV epidemic in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province.
14: Broadreach has partnered with Microsoft to develop Broadreach Vantage. It's an integrated cloud platform built on Microsoft Azure. Uh, Vantage delivers powerful analytics that helps development, health, and human service organizations to quickly identify risks and opportunities. Today, Broadreach is one of the fastest growing healthcare solution providers on Microsoft Cloud in South Africa. And as we look at supporting their engagement, uh, which is estimated to be around 340,000 people, uh, supporting them with access to HIV treatment in KwaZulu-Natal, where the epidemic is actually at a peak. The tools have enabled Broadreach to reduce the time that it takes to analyze data from 1,000 sites across South Africa, uh, reducing the time from eight months to less than one month after implementing a cloud-based platform. Vantage, again driven by Azure and Power BI, gives individuals in the healthcare system the right information at the right time with the right recommendation and tools to take action, helping save more lives. Broadreach is able to demonstrate significant health outcomes in supporting uh, districts using Vantage, which integrates data again immediately from a wide range of sources and delivers real-time data, actionable insights, and step-by-step implementation to boost effectiveness. I
6: understand that this partnership has yielded very positive results, helping one district achieve the triple 90 HIV targets. Elaborate on the impact.
14: The UNAIDS 90-90 goal uh, for for bringing HIV under control is to ensure that 90% of people living with HIV know their status, that 90% of them are taking ARVs, and that 90% of them on ARV treatment take their medications every single day and remain fully suppressed. Healthcare workers using Vantage are now predicting which patients are at risk of stopping medicine and reaching out to them before they stop. Again, Broadreach is also doing other types of predictive analysis by understanding how particular clinics and staffs are performing, predicting what may happen and intervening before that happens.
6: Now explain how have you helped Broadreach adapt its existing platforms to respond to COVID-19 without neglecting HIV?
14: During the COVID-19 crisis, Broadreach has moved quickly to repurpose its existing platform. The company has used its uh, services built on Azure to rapidly gather data from thousands of healthcare workers in the field and instantly upload it into Vantage, where advanced analytics are giving leaders key guidance to manage and prepare for the impact of the pandemic. In healthcare, quick response time saves lives. Um, Broadreach has produced a facility readiness survey that allows government to redirect resources to prioritise hospitals and facilities so they have the right equipment and medical supplies on hand. Predictive analysis can be used to help forecast and track outbreak hotspots. And how is the COVID-19 response
6: going so far in terms of impact and reach?
14: The Broadreach COVID-19 pandemic management portfolio has provided seven targeted solutions configured and deployed within a week across South Africa, client population of 15 million. Community screening, testing and contact tracing, Uh, approximately about 12,000 health workers trained in 48 hours, currently uh, around 550,000 screened via the Kaizala Power App in just about three weeks. And it also allows for a rapid but also scalable system for receiving surveys, about 270 surveys a minute at a peak of around 45,000 a week. So again, uh, protecting HIV patients at risk of severe COVID-19 cases across broad 500,000 HIV patients is absolutely critical and it is pivotal for us as well as we partner with them as they use machine learning models to identify patients with uh, increased risks, triggering human intervention to encourage them to stay on the treatment. And
0: sustaining viral suppressions. That's uh, Amrota Abdella, Regional Director of Microsoft for Africa on the line there talking to Jane Robert Tata. Across the globe, every second, there's always a
9: breaking story.
4: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
5: to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on black economic
8: empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLe to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that. Discussion have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country, they don't have jobs.
0: I've tried looking for a job for a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. channel africa you are still tuned in to africa rise and shine with myself a teddy right here on channel africa the african perspective it's now time for us to head over to the news desk with ann musa for the news headlines
1: sabc news independent and impartial from an african perspective
3: Um, and Musa, Good morning. In the headlines, the army in Sudan has used barbed wire and concrete to block off roads leading to its headquarters in the capital Khartoum to prevent people from gathering there to commemorate a massacre that took place at the site last year. Activist Raino Debeer has welcomed the High Court's declaration that the lockdown level four and three regulations in South Africa are unconstitutional and invalid, saying he believes the government was trampling on the rights of ordinary people. And health officials in Mozambique say there's growing discrimination against people suspected of being infected with the coronavirus. Those are the stories making headlines.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Florida. Africa, amuka na una. 32 minutes after seven central african time a very good morning to you if you just joined us this is african rise and shine with myself teddy sibia as south africa eases lockdown restrictions and allows the workforce to make their way back to the office pro property group has formulated a setback to business guidelines for organizations across the corporate academic sports and other sectors these guidelines or tools offer the entire value chain of solutions in terms of back to business or office readiness safety and health measures to legalities among others According to the World Health Organization, businesses need to prepare their workplaces to prevent the spread of the virus and manage COVID-19 risks when organizing meetings or when your employees must travel. To unpack more on these guidelines, Director of Facilities and Management for Broad Property Group, Richard Flame, joins us on the line. Mr Flame, good morning and welcome to Channel Africa.
5: Teddy, good morning. Thanks for, for having me, and also good morning to all the listeners.
0: Thank you. So now, why have you undertaken to educate businesses on how to deal with uh, Level 3 lockdown regulations?
5: It's very important, Teddy. I mean, uh, I've been listening to the radio all morning, and um, it's, it's quite a mess about how the pandemic has affected everyone in, in society, rich and poor, young and old. And as Parole Property Group, we thought it very important not only to bring out solutions, but also to say the message out there to the public This to say this is something that we all need to um, hold hands about and all need to participate in making sure that our workplaces are safe and also not just our workplaces, but our homes are also safe. And also that our shopping centers are, are safe. Um, and that when the time comes for our stadia and all these things to open up, that our sta- stadia, our gyms, and our, and our workplaces be all safe. So it was very important for us to do that. We, we serve, I mean, we, uh, proudly pan African company, um, created here in South Africa. And over the last 45 years of operations, we have established ourselves right throughout Africa. So it was, uh, a responsibility that we felt is important that we take on this opportunity to give services to to our market um, and making sure that these services firstly are tested uh, by ourselves in our own operations and also benchmarked against international best practice. Um, we have an affiliate, Cushman and Wakefield, and they've launched internationally a very successful six-feet six offer strategy and so we benchmark our own South African operations against these kind of solutions. And so we think we are properly suited in a market and positioned to be able to, uh, to give a solution to South
0: Africa. Mm. Now, sir, please take us through the three key elements of ensuring that workplaces are safer for employees and visitors during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic.
5: Okay, no thanks, Terry. I think before I talk about what it is, I really I really have to say that um, because of, of, of what we do as Brawl, I'll share a story later about what we did in terms of our business continuity process. But I think what gives us the strength as Brawl to give the solutions is that we give end-to-end property solutions in the market. So although I am the facilities director, we also have very strong other divisions like occupier services, property management services as well as leasing. So you have to look at the end-to-end kind of uh, understanding of the tenant, end-to-end solution of the service provider, end-to-end solution of the person using your facility. And then when we crafted these solutions, it looked at the entire dimension of that value chain. But back to your question, Uh, so for us it's really about the golden rule. Mm. Uh, The golden rule is, our, our hands need to be washed regularly for at least 20 seconds. Also, it is mandatory for us to wear a mask when we're out in public. Very importantly, when we cough, we need to make sure that we either cough into a tissue or into an elbow. And also, more importantly, we have to keep our 1.5 to 1.8 meters in terms, of, um, in terms of distance. But our solutions are based really on three premises. Number one is early detection. And this means... If anybody in the workplace is sick, then we'll be able to early detect this person. If somebody shows any signs of of being ill, the company can then make facilities available. Or the schools, or the stadia, or wherever, shopping complexes, make facilities available where these individuals and these staff members, members of the public, can then be isolated and put away. In the school situation, we will have then parents picking up children who may have identified and showed kind of signs, so early detection is very important. Surveillance is the second thing that's crucial making sure that um, there are always roaming teams on site on the floor and people observing and making sure that people are safe yes. the third thing is prevention Terry. And this, our biggest form of pre- pre- uh, prevention is risk assessments, making sure, firstly, that we understand the premises and the dynamics of what goes into that premise. Second thing about the risk assessment is making sure that we understand the occupier of the premise, to understand how often they come in and those kind of things. So when those risk assessments are done, um, then we fix up our facilities and making sure that either we put up screens We make sure that screening is done of everybody that comes into the facility as well. Link to the risk assessment that we need to do, check for symptoms, and make sure the temperatures are assessed. Mm. Also make sure that there is proper sanitation and cleaning across the workplace. And we're making sure also that we're planning for social distancing. And this is where... Uh, the 6 feet or the 1.8 uh, 8 meters distancing solution by Cushman and Wakefield has proven to be such a success because it doesn't only make sure that we've got the 1.8 meters distance, but it, it instills practices in the workplace. For instance, when you walk around the office space, you walk around the office space in an anti-clockwise or clockwise direction. When you go into a office area or you go into a... <clears throat> Uh, you go into a conference room, there's a specific way where you go in and where you go out as well. So all those kind of things direct us in terms of what the best way is around having to make sure that our places are safe.
0: Yes. So now, uh, Mr. Flame, as an experienced occupational health and safety practitioner, how important is it that businesses adhere to the rules of the lockdown?
5: It is crucial that we adhere to the the rules of the lockdown, as I said. Uh, for us, it, it really starts with the fact that people need to wash their hands and practices at least once an hour. You need to go and wash your hands and make sure that you wash it for at least 20 seconds. Also important, the coughing. you Make sure that you cough in your, in your shoulder, in your tissue. And important that we need to wear our masks yes. in, in, the, in, in public as well. But more importantly, the social distancing is important. Why is it important that we all need to do this? We are all in this together, Teddy. Uh, this can only work if we take this thing seriously. And maybe if I, if you allow me, I can just tell you a story of what we did as the Brawl Property Group, when the before the president announced the lockdown. So two weeks before the president announced the lockdown, I think it was the 12th of March, we as executive team of Brawl took a decision yes. that we need to run our business continued process. So for the entire day on the 12th of March, we basically tested to see if we can work remotely from from work. And what we've seen in terms of that is 99.4% of the organization could work away from home. Mm,
0: Mr. Flame, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning right here on Channel Africa.
5: Thank you very much, Terry
0: that is Richard Flame, Director of Facilities and Management for Broad Property Group, joining us on the line.
12: Bringing you your latest news on the novel coronavirus disease, COVID-19. For Channel Africa, I'm Simon Muchemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Make sure you and people around you follow good respiratory hygiene. This means covering your mouth and nose with your bent elbow and tissue when you cough and sneeze then dispose the used tissue immediately
0: who recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children if your local or national guidelines allow it go outside for a walk a run or a ride and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online. Dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs
11: avoid
12: touching your eyes nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus for more information on the coronavirus visit the world health organization site at www.who.int
0: for your latest update on the novel coronavirus for channel africa i'm gabriel zakaria in dar es salaam tanzania regularly and thoroughly clean your hands with an alcohol-based hand rub or wash them with soap and water it's uh, now 42 minutes after seven central african time this is africa rise and shine with myself teddy cbia on channel africa the african perspective Child health experts says there's no need to worry about a Kawasaki-like disease in South Africa. It's believed that the condition as seen in Europe and America is an extremely rare complication of COVID-19. Kawasaki disease mainly affects children under the age of five and presents with symptoms such as rash, swollen glands in the neck, as well as dry and cracked lips. Some experts also believe it's safer for children to return to schools since they are not the main carriers of the virus, Tabeel and Bailey reports.
2: It's estimated that between 1 and 6% of COVID-19 infections are in children. In South Africa, over 700 children have contracted the coronavirus. Professor Rifilo Masekela, the pediatric pulmonologist and the head of Department of Pediatrics and Child Health at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, says the numbers are in proportion with the total infections in the country. She says they're still trying to understand why children have more immunity to COVID-19 than adults.
15: Other viruses seem to be behaving differently to this new coronavirus compared to our usual suspects that we struggle with every year. Normally influenza is very easily transmissible, but we know that COVID-19 is much more efficient as a, a virus than influenza, that remembering that it's efficient in adults and not as efficient in children.
2: Professor Minyong Makulok, the president of the South African Pediatric Society, says the followed studies in Europe, China, and America with the high prevalence of COVID 19 and have concluded that children above the age of 6 were at a lower risk of contracting the virus. Professor Minyong Makulok, the president of the South African Pediatric Society, says the followed studies in Europe, China, and America with the high prevalence of COVID 19 and have concluded that children above the age of 6 were at a lower risk of contracting and spreading the virus. This is why they support the move for grade 7s and 12s to return to school. However, the situation is unclear for much younger children.
16: We just don't have enough evidence about the little guys yet. Okay, so... We've looked at studies and we've looked at studies from across the world, research that's been done, and we know that children from six or seven upwards are low transmitters. So they do not carry a lot of virus in their body. And we actually find that children carry less virus than adults do. The younger ones, the babies and the small children, we don't know yet, but there's no reason to believe that they don't behave like the older children do as well.
2: Europe and the United States have reported cases of a Kawasaki-like disease in small children in schools with a handful of children dying from it. Locally, our health experts say they are monitoring it, but there's no cause for concern. Professor Masekela explains.
15: We think it's a multi-systemic inflammatory syndrome. It did look like Kawasaki, but it looks like it's probably a very distinct disease. So we think it's something that happens that the immune system, after it's been primed by COVID-19, a few weeks later, after the child has had an infection, they seem to have an adverse immune reaction to uh, the virus, but. Uh, This is a very rare complication of uh, coronavirus disease.
2: Professor Makulog, who also works at the Red Cross Children's Hospital in Cape Town, is confident doctors will be able to diagnose the condition early and treat it immediately.
16: Kawasaki shock or multi-inflammatory disease is a condition that's extremely rare. So we're watching out for it. Um, But even at Red Cross Children's Hospital, we haven't seen any of these cases. Not to say it's not going to happen but extremely, extremely rare. In you know America, there have been a few little clusters, but New York has millions of people with COVID. And so we do need to remember that it's a very rare condition and we don't see it very often. The pediatricians know about it. Um, we are on the lookout for it.
2: Both Makuluk and Masekela say we must expect an increase in the number of infections as children return to school, but be aware that in most cases, it's adults who would have infected children rather than the other way around. Johannesburg.
0: a number of sporting federations and athletics in south africa have responded after minister of sports arts and culture natim Teto announced this past weekend that contact and non-contact sports can begin training under level three regulations of the nationwide lockdown more from channel africa's musibudi makura
11: While all professional athletes can return to training under the level three lockdown regulations, only those involved in non-contact sports like cricket, tennis and chess can host matches, with contact sports like rugby and football only likely to host matches at level one. The announcement made by Minister Natim Tatwa was good news in terms of the resumption of competitions, but matches will be held behind closed doors without spectators. Proteus fast bowler like Sorabada is breathing a sigh of relief, but he also says he didn't realise just how much he needed the rest from the past two months.
7: During COVID-19, uh, just before COVID-19, I uh, had a minor injury in uh, my groin. And so I wasn't doing much. I was just doing rehab like two weeks later. Um, and yeah, of cricket being played. And I'm just really glad that I can get a rest. Um, not in the way that it has come, but getting a rest is really cool. I'm really, really enjoying my time. And... That's definitely going to, well, it has allowed me to, to think about what I really want and makes it easier to set goals and, yeah, to enjoy more.
11: All federations which want their coast to resume training or playing have less than two weeks to submit their proposals to government to map out just how they will ensure the safety of the players and officials involved. Netball South Africa President Cecilia Monokwane says they are still deliberating on the next steps with regards to return to play. She says they want to start at the national level and then the provincial level before moving to the districts to ensure that all necessary safety precautions are taken.
10: There's no way that we would let our players go out and play without taking necessary precaution measures. We are doing that. That's why we're starting it nationally, So as we are sure of what we are doing, why we did that, it was a simple reason of we want to monitor it from national until local because if we can just say everybody opens up at that time we will have a problem so we want to monitor it from national and then go provincial go district and then go locally what we have done is today we are going to write a letter after the minister's announcement we i've I've directed the director demarcations to write a letter to all the provinces to say that what are the precaution measures that they are taking in their provinces
0: that's a report by Channel Africa's Mosibudi Makura. It's now time for us to head over to Tracy Boomgaard with the Economics News.
17: Thank you, Teddy. The World Bank has warned that emerging economies may experience substantial lasting effects from the coronavirus pandemic. It describes the impact of the health crisis as the most adverse shock to the global economy in a century. The BBC's Andrew Walker
15: reports. The report says it could be particularly damaging to long-term prospects for the developing world because it undermines international supply chains in which goods can cross borders several times during the production process. The report says they have been a foundation of growth over the last two decades. It also warns that the crisis may hit physical investments such as buildings and equipment and also investment in the skills and knowledge that make workers more productive. The bank says the current downturn is more likely to leave permanent economic scars than a typical recession. South Africa's
17: Competition Commission is charging 28 banks accused of manipulating the rand. It has referred the case to the Competition Tribunal for prosecution. The case relates to collusion to fix prices and divide markets in respect of the U.S. dollar and the rand in contravention of the competition. Following its investigation, the Commission found that the banks directly and indirectly manipulated trade of the U.S. dollar in relation to bid's offers. The banks have also divided markets by allocating customers in the two-currency pair. The Commission has added Nedbank and RMB in the referral alleged to be involved. Temankozi Bonakele is the Commission's spokesperson.
0: It's imperative that the banks must answer this Uh, We know that some of the traders uh, who were employed by the banks uh, and were involved in this uh, were dismissed by banks. Uh, But banks themselves have never been held uh, accountable for this. Uh, So we we are uh, are looking forward uh, to having this matter heard before the courts uh, and for banks uh, to be able to explain Uh, their activities.
17: South Africans who face retrenchments say not having a stable income to feed their families is causing them to suffer from depression and anxiety. Economic disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and the current lockdown has resulted in many companies having to downscale or close its doors permanently, leading to large-scale retrenchments. This reality has already knocked on the door of 40-year-old Warren Michael Joshua, a breadwinner in his large family.
10: They said that trust the board, they are shortening the Expenses for the company, many people, like a third of our staff, had been retrenched. they uncertain whether the business will be coming in or not, or when it will start to pick up again. Well, so, uh, motivation has dropped. Like, I'm not so eager to actually do work anymore. It will have a drastic impact, as we have a big household, and I'm one of the breadwinners in the house.
17: Comer's business rescue practitioners have told creditors and employee representatives the company is unlikely to start operating again before November this year. The practitioners say the South African aviation company requires a substantial cash injection to resume operations. The airline says the cash is needed to secure fuel suppliers and cover other costs. The business rescue practitioners are in discussions with fund funders to recapitalize the airline in order to resume domestic passenger operations by the 1st of November 2020. Over 30 potential funders had been contract, contacted rather and six are progressing discussions. Frontline workers in Sierra Leone went on strike on Monday, partially paralysing work on the country's COVID-19 pandemic. They were protesting over non-payment of risk allowances. Workers say there is a huge risk involved in their work. The strike came after repeated promises by the government to pay them allowances, but government says the delay is due to an ongoing verification process. The strike is the latest in a string of events that have cast doubts on the capacity of the national COVID-19 response team. Workers have been assured that efforts were being put in place to ensure they received their pay before the end of the week. As of Monday, June first, Sierra Leone's confirmed positive cases stood at 865 and 46 deaths with 475 recoveries. The US dollars trading at 386.15 Nigerian Naira, 11.65 Botswana Pula, 105.58 Kenyan Shilling, and at 18.24 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, 1 US dollars trading at 5.29 Brazilian Hail, 68.82 Russian Ruble, 74.87 Indian Rupee, 7.10 Chinese Yuan, and at 17.26 South African Rand the us dollar is also trading at 79 pence to the british pound and at 89 cents to the euro gold is trading at $1737 and platinum at $851 per ounce the price of Brent crude oil is at $37.73 a barrel for channel african news i'm tracy bumgard
0: Africa rise and shine. Africa, Africa, amuka na And that was Tracy Bumgard with the economics news, which brings us to the rep of Africa rise and shine for today, the third of June, twenty twenty. From myself, a TDCBIA producer, Luanda Mawume, technical producer Sviso Mashiro, and the rest of the team. Thank you so much for listening. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Angi Pili Maungeko by Sabelo Tumzamul.